0: Welcome to American Education FM, everybody. I'm Dr. Sean Brooks. Well, ladies and gentlemen, things certainly seem to be heating up, do they not? This is absolutely incredible. This kind of stuff I just love. I just love it. These midterm election seasons have never been as hyped and as hyped up and, and chaotic as what's going on right now, I don't think. At least, not that I can remember, I should say. It's just wild. It's beyond wild. The Paul Pelosi stuff is absolutely hilarious. Two dudes running around in their underwear chasing each other. It's super funny. I love it. Having sex, whatever. (laughs) It's just too good. It's too good. And then the media cover-ups and the constant media lies and all of it. It's beyond bizarre. Um, It's just incredible. It's incredible. So, here's the deal. I've got a ton of education stuff to bring up. In fact, this is, I'm just going to get into it here. Yes, I have some audio to play, I have some jab-related stuff, and then a few geopolitical things that uh, a lot of people might not be paying attention to, but I certainly want to bring them to your attention if you're unaware. And I'll do that a little bit later. Because, again, distraction is the name of the game among a lot of these things. And uh, while the enemy is, you know, focusing on Paul Pelosi running around in his skivvies, There's certainly a few other things that are happening, and uh, they're occurring at the global level, and even the state, local, and national level. So, let me bring this up right from the get-go. This is incredible, and this continues to prove that the full-blown panic regarding American education is in full gear. I mean, they're in fifth gear, pedal to the floor. They can't, for the life of them, figure out what's going on. It's crumbling in front of their eyes, and now all these numbskulls decided to get together and apparently talk about what they're doing and how they can improve K-12 education and the K-12 teacher shortage. I've read from this newspaper in the past. Uh, Let me reintroduce it here. It is the Journal News. This is a Southwest Ohio tri-county newspaper filled with propaganda on a constant basis. And this is the lead story in Sunday's paper. It says, quote, under the sort of smaller title, Digging Deeper, although they aren't digging deeper, and you're going to hear that they are not digging deeper on this particular subject, but the title is the following. Again, front page of the Journal News, Leaders Gather to Address K-12 Teacher Shortage. And then it's a bit of a conference room, presentation room, apparently in the uh, Miami University's Voice of America Learning Center in Westchester Township. And let me read the caption under the title here. My apologies for the newspaper noise. A little homage to Rush Limbaugh there. It says the following, quote, the first of a series of regional conference conferences Friday saw local and state school leaders focus on the growing shortage of teachers in K-12 schools. The gathering at Miami University's Voice of America Learning Center in Westchester Township drew dozens of participants, panel discussions, and a video message from Governor Mike DeWine, speaking on the critical nature of the dearth of classroom instructors. This is priceless. This is <laughs> this is this is basically what the majority of this podcast was all about and what you've heard me talk about now for 2 years is that there is no way that you can do what you're doing in education on a constant basis decade after decade let alone the icing on the cake with the cherry on top of the last 2 years and expect this business to survive because they were receiving, again, a video presentation from Governor Mike DeWine. You have my support, the the teachers and the state matter. We have to do better for our kids. Government intervention is the only way. These numbskulls have no idea that it is they themselves that are responsible for the full-blown collapse. Lest we forget, Mike DeWine, in the summer of 2021, was responsible for pushing a lottery system that would award individuals if their name was drawn out of a hat, had they taken at least two shots of these COVID bioweapons, and they would receive a million dollars as a reward. There were allegedly five or six winners of this. Mike DeWine is a murderer. End of story. He advocated for the death of the citizens of Ohio, as have everybody in this room who has taken the shots, pushed the masks, done all the degenerate things that exist in American education. Ladies and gentlemen, they all gathered in one place to talk about what on earth is going wrong. Can you believe this shit? The hubris of these people is astounding to me. The next title below it, before I get into the body of it, says the following, Miami University hosts meeting. DeWine addresses those in attendance as they work on solutions. Now, as I read this, I'm going to vomit in my mouth a little bit from time to time. I apologize. This is pr- it's priceless. It's absolutely priceless. It says the following, quote, Westchester Township, the first of a series of Ohio regional conferences Friday, saw local and state school leaders focus on the growing shortage of teachers in K-12 schools. Keep in mind, ladies and gentlemen, this has never happened ever in the history of schooling in Ohio. They've never gathered like this and panicked all at the same time. It continues, it says, quote, the gathering of Miami University's Voice of America Learning Center in Westchester Township saw dozens of participants, panel discussions, and a video message from Governor Mike DeWine speaking on the critical nature of the dearth of classroom instructors. Quote, it was a first-of-its-type meeting. That will now be repeated at designated universities in four other Ohio regions in the coming weeks. Teachers are so important, it says, quote, to our students and their communities, said DeWine in the Southwest Ohio Conference's opening. Quote, they provide the quality education students need to succeed in school and later in life. Unquote. No, the answer is no on all of that. The answer is no. It continues, it says, quote, Ohio, like many other states, is facing a teacher shortage, he said, while thanking the Ohio Departments of Education and the state's Department of Higher Education for sponsoring the first-time meeting. Quote, now is the time to think in innovative ways about how we can work together to assure that Ohio remains one of the best education systems in the country, unquote. Okay. First of all, I've got to get into that part of it already. In, I mean, right here lies the bigger problem. If you're consistently trying to fix something, that means it's always broken. And if you have the same kinds of people who are always behind the wheel of this thing that you call education, and it's always broken, and you invite those people into the same room who all agree, and you're asking all of them, what are you doing to improve this problem? You're asking the people who created the problem to fix the problem, and they don't think they created the problem. And yet, they're the only ones who have created the problem. It, it, uh, it defi- this, this entire thing defies logic. You're inviting arsonists into a conference room to talk about what they can do to prevent arson. It's all they do. This is all they do. Their ideologies their their sexual perversions, their criminality, their lack of morals, values, their interest in abusing children, covering up, you know, covering up crimes, whatever it is. That's what all of these people agree on. And you're asking these people to improve the situation? It's impossible. It's absolutely impossible. Now if I were to show up to one of these meetings, And don't think the thought hasn't crossed my mind. I would be forced to stand up and just yell at all of them and tell them all that they are responsible for this problem. And how on earth do they themselves think they're going to fix it? It's unfixable. You can't fix this. They're going to throw money at it. They're going to say we need more programs. We need to increase special education certification because we have more of those students. Even though they don't, they just do it because it generates more revenue. The entire thing is so corrupt, you can't, you can't even, you can't, you just can't. You can't fix any of this. Not at all. God, this is awful. It continues, quote, According to the Dayton Daily News analysis of Ohio Department of Higher Education data performed in April, The percentage of people graduating from public Ohio colleges with education degrees declined from 9.63% to 6.36%. That's not good. Why don't people want to be teachers anymore? Hmm. Is it low pay? No, that's not it. Is it... Because it's the laughing stock of our nation, and they teach lies and advocate for child abuse? Yes. <laughs> yes, that's it. That's it. It says, quote, in the span, in that span, the number, excuse me, I have to change pages here. Oh, let me see here, blah, blah, blah. Okay, it says that number of bachelor's degrees awarded across all fields rose from 38,493 to 49,963. But the number of education degrees went in the opposite direction, from about 3,700 per year through 2014 into a year-after-year decline that hit 3,180 in 2018. Oh, it's much lower than that now. I guarantee it. It says, adding to the teacher shortage in recent years have been more K-12 instructors who are part of the baby boomer generation reaching retirement age. Here you go. Here's the excuses bus backing up. Can you hear the beep noise? It's back. It's backing up already here. They're already blaming the baby boomers as retiring as being the reason for a teacher shortage. You've never had a teacher shortage problem in the past, but now all of a sudden, a generation is retiring and now there's a teacher shortage. That doesn't make any sense. Being so foolish as to blame an entire generation who is retiring as the reason for a teacher shortage um, is, I, I, I got nothing. I got nothing on it. It's low hanging fruit. What a poor excuse. It's just a poor excuse. Baby boomers are to blame. Well, you know, they're retiring and that's just the way that it is. How about you look at the beginning of the slide? At the top of the slide, which is teacher education, you have individuals not wanting to be teachers. That's the beginning of the slide. It's not what's going on at the end of the slide that matters per se, it's not the people who are retiring. That's not the biggest issue. Again, you've heard me bring it up a million times. People are leaving because of the lack of morals, values, and illegality that's being allowed to exist. That's also at the bottom of the slide. So when everybody's looking at the entire slide, including all the people screaming at the bottom of the slide, why would anybody want to get on that ride? No one wants to get on that ride. Uh, It says, quote, the trend was compounded by a spike in retirements where departing instructors cited the onset of the COVID-19 pandemic in March 2020, the historic upheaval to schools in 2021. It's not the only reason, but that was a big one. And who was responsible for all those lies and all that nonsense? American K-12 schools. It continues, it says, dozens of area K-12 school officials were joined by leaders from Miami University, Xavier University, Cincinnati State Technical, and Community College, as well as local business executives as the state attempts to weave together a joint public education and private sector cooperative in tackling the problem. Ladies and gentlemen, corporate and government working together never works out for anybody. But again, these people aren't smart. They don't want to look in the mirror. They don't want to know that they're responsible for the complete collapse. It continues, sadly, and it says, quote, Jason Lane, Miami's dean of the College of Education, Health, and Society, was among the speakers and said the topic has generated urgency. You think? To address the teacher shortage, quote, we really need to think collaboratively and creatively as region, said Lane. Quote, we know that great communities are built on great schools, and great schools are built on great teachers, unquote. Honest to God. (laughs) it's overflowing with hubris, is it not? It's just seeping through this paper as I'm holding on to it. It's disgusting. These people are disgusting. It continues. Also, among the conference panelists was Key Edwards, assistant HR director for Middletown Schools, who spoke about the district's many efforts improve both God, this person can't write. Efforts to improve both recruitment and retention of classroom instructors for its 6,300 students. Edwards said the gathering and the scale of the state and local effort was historical. Yes, yes it is historical because it's embarrassing and you've backed yourself into a corner and you can't get out now. He said, quote, he decided to open up his mouth even more, apparently. He said, quote, for the first time, we had higher education and K-12 education legislators and our State Department of Education all sitting in the same room to discuss the teacher shortage crisis. This was a significant first step because we had all the right people together, and now we can start moving to action, unquote. Incorrect. You don't have all the right people in the right room working together. You have all the wrong people in the same room agreeing on the same shit. That's a problem because when everybody's thinking alike, someone's not thinking. Again, again it's, it's so far gone, ladies and gentlemen, because the brainwashing is so bad. It's so bad that these people are still trying to pick up mercury with a fork and say they're going to get it, they're going to get it, they're going to get it, they're still trying to scoop it up, you know, they're going to get it. They just keep saying it over and over and over again, and as long as they keep saying it, they're going to keep believing it. Brick by brick, this entire system is going to collapse. Mark my words. Brick by brick. It says, quote, it wraps up with this, It was a joy to talk. About our teacher recruitment efforts for Middletown City Schools, said Edwards, who cited the district's Admiral Squad, capital letters Admiral Squad, program designed to recruit more African-American males into the teaching profession, unquote. That's their solution. That's his solution. He wouldn't have said it if he didn't think that was his solution. Now, Middletown again, urban area. I'm not saying it's majority African American. I, I I student taught there. Um, I don't know the exact di- you know demographics, so to speak. But if that if he thinks that's their solution, uh, they they're doomed. They're absolutely doomed. And it's not a race-related thing. He's making it a race-related thing, which is an abomination. That's not going to fix your problem. Hiring skin color won't fix the problem. This is doomed. It's just doomed. You have, again, I know I'm repeating myself here, so bear with me, but I'm rubbing my eyes right now. This is, uh, it's, it's... you can't fix this level of stupidity like i said it's it's too the brainwashing is too thick these people are too far gone um they're speeding down the highway they don't they're not wearing seat belts they have blindfolds on they think it's going to end well this is all the product of cumulative risk which you've heard me bring up you cannot stack one dangerous stupid illegal thing on top of another on top of another on top of another And then comment about how everything is fine and just keep building all of that up and expect it to not crumble to the ground. They will never address the real problems. They'll never look in the mirror. They'll never self-reflect. They won't do it. And they're jabbed.
1: So how's that going to work out for them on a personal level? That's why this is collapsing. I I
0: I really hope that you know the the listeners of this show and God bless each and every one of you for listening. I hope you move this to people. I hope that you move this show around and you you just randomly send it. You know, anonymously send it to some of these idiots cuz they have no idea. They have no idea. It's it's beautiful proof of the matrix. Again, we don't live in the matrix. You listen to this show we're on the same wavelength, you get it. We live in the real world. And when, you, when only by the grace of God do we live in the real world the way that we do now. And thank God for it. But he's allowed us to see those that still live in the matrix and we can pick them out of a lineup of millions of people by the things they do, the things they say. Deep down, some of us have always known it that these kinds of meetings and these gatherings of these nitwits is never a good idea. Even Thomas Sowell wrote about it, the kinds of people who love committees and the kinds of people that love to, as they said in the article, collaborate and work together. The people that love doing that kind of stuff are the people who love to create problems. They love it. They love meetings just for the sake of meetings because they are dependent on the existence of meetings if they didn't have meetings they would be like a fish out of water what am i supposed to do i, I don't know what i'm supposed to do as an individual am i supposed to think for myself well how do you do that are you am i supposed to self reflect and actually solve a problem see all they do is agree on a particular thing and then push that particular thing out when that thing doesn't work and it never does they never reverse They never reverse their thinking on it. They never accept blame. They never will. That's why the profession is doomed. It's collapsing. And as you've heard me say, again, in this episode too, it will cease to exist. All of this will cease to exist. Because if you have, for the very first time in history, theoretically, American K-12 schools administrators, State Department of Education, and university teacher education programs and higher-up faculty members within those programs all meeting in the same room talking about the burnt toast that they've all created, and they all think they're going to solve it, when they're all still burning the toast as they're trying to solve it?
1: It's not going to work. It won't work. But it's proving that it's collapsing.
0: The very meeting itself is proof that it's collapsing. There's nothing that they can do to save it. I'm enjoying watching the collapse. I hope other people are too. My recommendation, as you've heard me say time and time again, is that because we are at war and you're watching the enemy lose and flounder about, do you want your children on this battlefield, in this environment, as it is collapsing? I don't think you do. You know, there, there are numerous visual examples I could, I could bring up. Um, there's the scene in the Batman movie, The Dark Knight Rises. If you've seen the movie, you know the scene that I'm talking about, where Bane... The main bad guy in the movie has uh, whatever, the, the Gotham City football field. you know he it, it it all explodes, but it doesn't explode at once. It's this, it's this collapse of the football field with explosions underneath the ground from the en- from one end zone to the other. It's this gradual domino of just the ground is is falling out from underneath the player's feet. See, we're sitting in the stands. And we're watching this happen. But all of these nitwits who are in this meeting are on the field. The difference with us and them is not only do we have a better perspective and we're not in harm's way, but before we showed up to the game, we knew that it was going to collapse. So we're just there for the collapse. We're not there because we think someone's going to win the game or the game is going to end a particular way with a score. Nope. The whole thing is collapsing but the people who are on the field still playing the game don't get it. My point is, is you don't want your children on that field because it's collapsing. And there isn't a damn thing anybody can do to stop this collapse. Nothing. This is full-blown panic. Four meetings across four sections of the state of Ohio about the teacher shortage. And, of course, what's happening... All across the state and all across the nation is you have school levies that are on the ballot here in the next week where they're gonna try to tax all the property owners that live in that area to fix their problem. And a lot of these levies are permanent, like the one where I live. It blows me away. I think it's fascinating. What a time to be alive. What a time to be alive. Isn't it amazing? It's just amazing. Okay. Incredible. It's incredible. Shifting gears slightly, although, again, same highway, same road. Um, I don't know if I brought this up earlier or not. I think I did, yeah. I think I brought it up in a previous episode. I I did, actually. Um, My banner, my vote no on the levy banner here in town, of course, was vandalized uh, just a few doors down from the district office, and now I've placed it in a cornfield which is empty of corn, of course, or else you couldn't see the sign. But uh, now it's facing the middle school. It's across the street from the middle school. And again, I think I brought it up earlier, but the copy shop that made the sign for me decided to fix it for free. That was nice of them. So, yeah, as I said on Gab, now all those asshats get to stare at my banner every single day when they pull into work and every single day when they're... Doing whatever it is they do in that building, and uh, every single day when they leave, they just I'm just going to throw it right in their faces. My f- sign gets vandalized again. well, it gets vandalized again then all it does is prove that people who are associated with the city of Oxford, Ohio, and people who are associated with the school district are vandals. That's all it proves. so go for it, vandalize it. You're just proving that you're vandals, and that you are interested in stealing people's money. Because a banner, I mean, that's nothing compared to the robbery that would actually take place if this levy passes. And as I've said earlier, the president of the school board where I live wants the levy to be, of course the levy will be permanent if it passes, but he wants the levy to be on every single ballot going forward until it passes, he said. He's a tyrant. These people are tyrants. They don't like you. They're psychos. Absolute psychos. Okay. So, that is that. Moving on. Um, There's this. Shouldn't shock anybody. This came from The Blaze. It's titled, Parents Cannot Dictate What Their Children Are Taught. School Board's Lawyer Says Parents Outraged Over District's Transgender Policy Can Choose to Have Your Child Attend Elsewhere again, they're right. I mean, the lawyer is right. If the school district is going to be degenerate and they vote to be degenerate, then there's nothing that the parents can say or do that's going to change that. In particular, if it's state law or it becomes a state policy that has to be followed via the State Department of Education, wherever it is that that people live, and again, you can take over a school board all you want. You can pack the entire thing with conservatives. The conservatives are going to have to fight real hard to not implement state policy. That's why this whole thing is so corrupt the way that it is. Every single, every single step that people believe they are making in a positive direction, they're realizing that there's a thousand steps in front of them still. So they, again, they make a step in what they think is a good direction where they're making a positive difference and we're going to change the landscape and we're going to take back our schools and blah, blah, blah. And then they look up and there's all these staircases in front of them of state policy, laws, you name it, that have to be followed, that it doesn't matter if they're conservatives or not, they have to implement it. And if they don't implement it, that's where Ethics violations come down the line, and the left attacks the right, so to speak, over these issues, and not following transgender policies and pronoun policies, and you have to play pretend with everybody or else. That's why these places can't be fixed. That's just one more example. It's just another example. Uh, Here's another one, and this one you know this one is awful i think this one's terrible you talk about a, a miscarriage of justice here um and i've spoken again and written about race replacement you've you know i've i've put that out on uh, on my substack before in particular when it comes to the trafficking of illegals and how many schools in these urban areas are are becoming filled with illegals and they're pushing out other students who you know were born here and speak English and know what they're doing this is this is in that same vein, I think, and it's awful i uh it's it's just awful because it's rules for thee, not for me, and let's pick on one race of individuals as opposed to hold others accountable for doing the exact same thing on a constant basis. Um, this comes from Fox8Live.com out of New Orleans, certainly Louisiana. It is titled Two Terrabone Students, if I'm saying that right, Terrabon could be, students facing hate crime charges after repeatedly saying N-word in video. Quote, It's disgusting, it's terrible, says Lieutenant Travis Thoreau, with HOMA police, if I'm saying that right. That's absolutely not something that this police department nor this town condones. First of all, it's freedom of speech. Second of all, well, I should say this. Number one, it's freedom of speech, period. Second of all, I'm not bigoted because bigoted or racist, quote unquote, because I just said that. That's a fact. And number two, if I had a toothpick for every time I've heard a black American student in a K 12 school say the N word out loud constantly in the school building and on videos where they identify who they are and where they live and whatever else, I would have a warehouse full of toothpicks. So they're not going after black students so to speak they're singling out a couple of white students it says the following two high school students have been arrested and accused of hate crimes after video circulated on social media of them using racial slurs on campus the two unidentified high school students again Tara terabone Tara bon, high school students who were both white Face charges of inciting a riot, hate crimes, and cyberbullying. In the video, the students are heard repeatedly using the N word, referring to several black students around them, but not within earshot. Quote, it's disgusting, it's terrible, I read that quote, we don't condone this. Superintendent Bubba Oregon, sorry, Ogeron, there we go. I can read. Uh, Says the video displays despicable language and thoughts, quote, this type of behavior and disgusting discipline, or sorry, disgusting display, it is disgusting discipline, but whatever, disgusting display of content will never be tolerated by our school system. Oregon said, Ogeron, my apologies, Ogeron said in a statement, Fox 8 has reviewed the video and has decided not to release it. Community members said they're hurt and outraged by the incident, but are happy the two students were dealt with swiftly. Again, uh, I'm not saying it's a good thing. I'm simply saying, why have you not done this in the past with everybody then? so. Certain races get a pass for saying particular things and others
1: don't. Got it. See,
0: freedom of speech, ladies and gentlemen, is for everybody. It's for everybody. You can discipline these students. You can tell them you chose poorly. And now your video is out there and there's a thing called real social justice or street justice where if they actually returned to the school having said what they said, well, you know what would happen. They would get jumped, they'd get beaten up, because it's prison, theoretically, and that's what happens in those environments. So if they have to learn the hard way that way, so be it. Because the same would happen the other way around, too. If you just reverse the roles and change the skin color of everybody, the same thing would probably happen also but they're just targeting a specific race for doing a particular thing that the other race is also doing on a constant basis. It says, quote, In my previous 16 years, there was nothing to this magnitude, said Roosevelt Thomas, a former school board member. Quote, I thought those days and times were gone, but evidently you have some people who still seem to have a different impression of people and want to call them different names. Now, wait a minute. I'm not condoning the name calling. What I am saying is, when you say it, it's
1: okay. And when others who happen to be black say it, it's okay.
0: It's This is embarrassing. Um, it continues here. It says, quote, They said they hope this will serve as a wake-up call and facilitate more conversation in the community about the history of that slur and why the word should not be used. Okay, great. Now, discipline everybody with a hate
1: crime, including black students who say it. That's all. Discipline them, too. Charge them with a hate crime. It says, quote,
0: the word is being trivialized again, said Wanda Ruffin Triggs, a child advocate who is also a candidate for school board. There you go. They're using it as a political issue. The end. (laughs) Unbelievable. Throwing two students under the bus to bolster themselves up for politics in a political position. This person said, quote, I think that parents of all cultures, mine included, need to talk with their children about the impact of this word, the background, the history of this word, and why we don't want it used. Then why do you yourself use it, which you probably have with regularity? Why is it in all those songs you sing? Why is it in all those movies you watch?
1: See, see the hypocrisy here?
0: Uh it says the HOMA police say the investigation is ongoing and ultimately it will end up. I'm sorry, ultimately it will be up to the district's attorney office to accept or reject the charges. Quote: The most important thing, I think, it sends a message to the community. See? They're trying to make an example. Out of people. Don't say these words, or you'll be prosecuted for a hate crime and inciting riots. You have got to be kidding me. From the school standpoint, that it won't be tolerated, and from law enforcement, that it won't be tolerated, also said Jerome Blinken president of the Tarabon Parish Chapter of the NAACP. The NAACP is involved now. This is a bigger story, I think, than, than, um, than what people are certainly reporting. I haven't heard this discussed much anywhere else. Uh, this is not good. I mean, it's not good freedom of speech exists and just because words get used that no you know that certain people don't like even though certain people use that word with regularity themselves and aren't brought up on charges as serious as that or threatened with charges as serious as that shows a real miscarriage of justice or any anything else that they claim to advocate for social justice my ass It's outrageous. It's beyond outrageous. But these, you know, they have no filter. I mean, hypocrites have no filter whatsoever. Speaking of hypocrites, check this out. This is wild too. And equally as ridiculous, high school phys ed teacher and father of six, not that that matters, put on disciplinary leave for not allowing 14-year-old girl into the boy's locker room. See, this is the hypocrisy right here of school policy. By law, they have to keep students safe. Period. That's, that's it. You've heard me say it, that that's even their line that they say on a constant basis. Our number one priority is student safety. By the way, uh, Timmy thinks that he's Sally, and Sally thinks that he's Timmy, so we're going to let him go into whatever locker room he wants and watch people undress because, you know, That's what they want to do. This phys ed teacher stood up against this, gets cut loose, because he's trying to keep students safe. But what about the transgender kids, Sean? They need to feel safe too, do they? They need a lobotomy, is what they need, and a straitjacket, because they're not well. But when the school district condones that behavior, more proof that the entire business is collapsing. It can't be fixed. These people are mentally too far gone. It says the following here. Cody Hiller is a physical education teacher at a high school in southern Illinois, north of Marion. Last week, he was suspended for refusing to follow orders and allow a girl to change clothes in the boys' locker room. Last week, Mr. Cody Hiller, a physical education teacher for 14 years at West Frankfort High School in Illinois, refused to follow orders and let a girl into the boys' locker room. Mr. Hiller was removed and put on disciplinary leave. Then it says this. It says this letter from a parent at a, at the school was sent to Sharona Bishop at Frank Speech. She shared this with the Gateway Pundit earlier today. It says, "Quote on Monday, the girl was sent into the boys' locker room without any warning to the boys. Joseph, a student, saw her and left the area saying, I'm not changing with a girl in here, it's not right. I spoke with the school and the superintendent's office and they said there is nothing they can do. Today, he went into the locker room and the girl was in was in there. He told her from across the the room. You should not be in here, and you are not a boy. Another boy got up and shoved and cussed at Joseph. Another student came in and broke things up. No punches were thrown. Joseph is on the Scholar Bowl, Beta Club, National Honor Society, Youth and Government, band, the wrestling team, is at the top of his class, and was chosen and won of the Senior of the Month by the faculty. Joseph has no absences this year, and a GPA for his quarter is 5.51 on a five-point scale. Joseph was taken directly to ACR, while the other kid who put his hands on him was not. I was called by the school and told the situation. Uh, It says, at this point, I was not happy with what was going on, and my wife went to the school, and signed him out. I called Donkin to discuss the situation, and after 33 minutes of conversation, nothing was resolved. I asked him how it was legal to have an 18-year-old boy with his wiener out in front of a 14-year-old girl, and was told it was okay because it was a locker room and people are expected to be in various stages of undress. For your 14-year-old daughter, a minor in the eyes of the law is changing in her bra, and an 18-year-old boy, an adult, walks into a locker room with no warning and drops his pants in front of her, exposing his penis. She is not expected to say anything, and if she does, she will receive ACR as punishment for discrimination. Evidently, the administration does not care about your child's safety and will not stand up for what is right. To send a minor girl into a boy's locker room without warning and expect none of them to say anything, not even out of shock for the situation, is completely unreasonable. I was told that they don't give the kids a heads up this was happening or give them an alternative to avoid the situation before they sent her in because they didn't want to discriminate against her and bring attention to her. But instead, they just expect to send her into a locker room with no with no response. And when a perfectly reasonable response happened, my son gets ACR discipline. Meanwhile, the boy who I've told has been in several fights, was not punished, until my wife came to the school and made a comment as to where the other boy was. Is anybody else feeling like who's on first here? It's just, it just sounds to me like who's on first. I don't even want to, oh, it's just horrible. This whole thing is ridiculous. It says, your sons and daughters are not safe in the locker rooms at their own high school. Well, that's true. Even if you don't have cross-dressers or, or trannies walking around. They're not safe anyway. Because getting undressed in front of a bunch of dudes, I think is weird. It's kind of gay, isn't it? Bunch of girls getting undressed in front of each other too, it's kind of, you know, just saying. Seems kind of gay. Uh it says all it would take is one wrong look or someone with a grudge against another and they could be in the middle of sexual harassment case. Yes. Or worse, If one is an adult and the other is a minor, you could be listed as a registered sex offender. Mm hmm. It's a purposeful trap. That's exactly why these laws exist. These gender bending bathrooms exist for that exact reason. Someone busted in, oh no, let's take them out and charge them with a crime and then they're doomed forever. It wraps up and it says, Why would we send our children, why would we set our children up for this danger and exposure? I'm hoping that I'm not the only one heartbroken by the situation or the only one thankful for the teacher who was willing to stand up for the safety of our children, even though it may cost him his job. He's a good man in my book, and evidently in our school system, that is a bad thing. Ladies and gentlemen, that right there is emblematic of the entire system most places. If you're a good person in the public's view, in particular among parents who send their children to these environments, then those who typically run these school systems, typically speaking, are not going to view you in the exact same positive light. They just won't. Because if you're not going along with their terrible policies, you're the bad guy. Uh, It says... What is right has become wrong, and your kids are pl- are paying the price. Joseph is expected to serve his punishment and was told because of his ACR discipline he would be kicked out of the beta club awe. And Joseph is expected to change the rest of the year in an alternative space for phys ed. I'm asking everyone who does not want your children exposed to please come to the school board meeting tomorrow night at 6, and voice your concerns. Please pass this on to anyone who feel, anyone you feel will stand up for the safety of our children. Last night at the school board meeting, over 225 people showed up to support TIP's teacher and express concern over this insane school policy. Unquote. Okay. Does anybody actually believe this environment can be saved? See, all these parents showing up to support this teacher. How about all those parents just pull their students out? You want to send a message? Stop sending the business, quote-unquote, of education your customers. Because, again, you're sending them into this buzzsaw. You must view your own children as being customers of a corrupt business. So why don't you just pull them out? and then watch what the business does. I bet the business panics. And you've heard me say it here before, they'll panic so much, they will quite literally get in their own automobiles as school officials and go door-to-door begging, begging for parents to send their children back to their corrupt business. They will do that. So why not make them why not make them do it and then close your door right in their face and say, we're homeschooling. End of story. I'm telling you, the people, the, the people don't understand the power they wield. They still don't understand. We have the guns. We have the numbers. You know, the old Jim Morrison song, uh, five to one, I believe it is the doors, ladies and gentlemen. They've got the guns, we've got the numbers. No, not anymore. In this situation and in all these situations, we have the guns, we have the numbers. Just vote with your feet. Just stop participating. It's the easiest thing to do. It's the easiest thing. Okay, moving on here. A couple of geopolitical things that I wanted to bring to people's attention before I get into the jabs. Um, first of all, Again, while everybody's making fun of Paul Pelosi, and rightfully so, this is going on too. The digital identification, rolling out of digital identity, so to speak, is is continuing to happen. This is from BloombergLaw.com, titled, States Rolling Out Digital Identity Cards Promise User Privacy, Said No One With a Brain. Because, yeah if you have it on your cell phone well it can be hacked it says quote states launching digital versions of a driver's license are championing the credentials as a way to keep personal information more private and secure through nationwide adoption though sorry though nationwide adoption will depend on a coalescing around a common standard for how the identification cards are built and used Mobile driver's licenses are meant to be more fraud-resistant and privacy-protective than physical cards. No, they're not. (laughs) Who believes that? Digital credentials also offer contactless convenience as licenses have evolved beyond just granting driving privileges to become a primary method of verifying a person's identity. Quote, you hand over a driver's license for a lot of non-driving-related applications. From opening a bank account to visiting a doctor's office, said Christine Neiser, who leads Maryland's Motor Vehicle Administration. Individuals lack control over whether their license data is copied or how it's stored, potentially leaving their personal information vulnerable. No. No. Reaching into your wallet and pulling out your driver's license is not hard work. That's not difficult. It says, quote, this nicer person continued, it says, quote, a mobile driver's license lets you control what information is shared and limit it to what's required for that transaction. No. I, I, these people, again, they don't hear themselves talk because they know they don't have to. They can just sound like Charlie Brown's teacher. Won't want, won't want, won't won't they, ju- they can sound like that all they want. It won't matter. They're, they're still rolling out these terrible policies and these digital identifications. It's remarkably dangerous. This is just remarkably dangerous. But here's, here's another thing, and this is the second sort of geopolitical thing I just wanted to mention briefly. This right here sort of proves that point. I think this was from just a few days ago. This is the BlackAgendaReport.com uh, prologue. The government, frig- I'm sorry, the Global Fragility Act of April of 2022. It says the U.S. is ushering in a new foreign policy doctrine through the Global Fragility Act. We need to not only understand these new forms of imperial practice but to also see the cunning use of language in the service of U.S. imperialism. It says, quote, In December of 2019, Donald Trump signed into law H.R. 2116, the Global Fragility Act of 2019, Title V of Division J, PL 116-94, introduced by Democrat Democratic, of course, Representative Elliot Engel, uh, then chair of the House's Committee on Foreign Affairs and co sponsored by a bipartisan group of representatives, including significantly Karen Bass, the Global Fragility Act presents a new set of strategies for deploying U.S. soft power in a changing world. The act focuses on U.S. foreign policy on the idea that there are fragile states, quote unquote, whose fragility, quote unquote, could undermine U.S. security interests. The U.S. defines fragile states as those where state weakness or future, I'm sorry, weakness or failure would magnify threats to the American homeland, quote unquote. Hailed as landmark legislation and as a potential game changer in the world of U.S. foreign aid, the act seems to be a resetting of U.S. foreign policy in ways that shift tactics while maintaining the objective and strategies of U.S. global domination. One of the stated objectives of the Global Fragility Act is for the U.S. government to be proactive in preventing conflict and instability instead of assuming a reactive stance. It's government mumbo-jumbo. None of this sounds good to me it just doesn't this is again i'm only mentioning the the beginning of this because this is just one of those stories that sort of slides right under the radar and uh with all the other distractions and they're not even distractions they're just other things going on people you know will miss something like this i think so even though again in many cases it seems like the patriots are in control and the good guys are winning and i have no no doubt that positive inroads are being made here and that excellent things are occurring it doesn't mean that the globalists are going to quit it doesn't mean that nefarious governments and those within our own government are going to quit they're going to continue to do horrible things and uh this seems like one of them this doesn't it just doesn't seem good unless i'm misinterpreting the entire thing which is possible but i don't know at face value it seems awful okay Moving on. This was interesting. Uh, all of a sudden, apparently, Peter McCullough is starting to figure out that there's a war going on. Because now old Peter's become the victim of being kicked off of one of his own medical review boards. And Steve Kirsch decided to write about it. But here's just a little snippet. It says, quote, from McCullough, I was terminated as the editor-in-chief of Cardiorenal medicine and reviews in cardiovascular medicine after years of service and rising impact factors. There was no phone call, no board meeting, no due process, just emails or certified letters. Powerful dark forces are working in academic medicine to expunge any resistance to the VAX. Yesterday, I was stripped of my board certification in internal medicine and cardiology after decades of perfect clinical performance, board scores, and hundreds of peer-reviewed publications. None of this will stop until there is a needle in every arm, quote-unquote. Yeah, to which I just made a quick little meme of Bruce Willis uh, in the Die Hard movie. You know, welcome to the party, pal. I mean, good for him. Uh, you know, it's, it's, I mean, he's figuring it out. But we've been here a long time, Doc. So, you know, again, welcome to the party. You know, he, he thought, you know, here's the thing. Here's my two cents on McCullough. I'm not saying he's done bad things. He hasn't. He's not as awake as we would like. He thinks viruses are real. They aren't. And he played nice with the enemy. But that's what happens when you dance with the devil. When you try to play nice with the devil, they'll still stab you in the back. So he should have been not playing nice from the word go because look what's happened. It's already gotten him now to a stage where he's losing some of the much-needed credentials that he thought he needed. You know, uh, yeah, welcome to the party. Two quick articles here, and then a piece of audio, and then I'm going to wrap it up. This is from the Epoch Times. Title, Danger Signal, Leaked Hospital Email Reports Increase in Stillbirths. COVID-19 Vaccine Suspected. No kidding. It says in an email recently shared with the Epoch Times that was sent out to the healthcare staff of a hospital system in Fresno, California, reported an increase in demise patients, quote unquote, or stillbirths, that is expected to continue according to the email. Quote, there were 22 demise patients in August of 2022, which ties the record number of demises in July of 2021, and so far in September there have been seven, and it's only the eighth day of the month, unquote, a managing nurse wrote. The managing nurse went on to write that she hopes the trend doesn't continue indefinitely. Quote, I know of a few more that are scheduled to deliver in the week ahead, so unfortunately the process is going to be very familiar with all of you, the managing nurse said. The staff member who leaked the email told the Epoch Times that since the rollout of the vaccines, the fetal death stillbirth rate, has skyrocketed from its pre COVID 19 vaccine average of one to two every three months in her hospital alone. The staff members spoke to the Epoch Times on condition of anonymity due to the fear of losing their job. They reached out to the head nurse who wrote the email to request a statement on why there has been a rise in what she called demise patients, but there has been no response. And you can bet that right now that hospital administration is well aware of this, and they are combing through all of their employees to figure out who sent this out. Uh, Yeah, mass panic right now. And what an unhealthy work environment that's become. But God bless her for leaking the email, because yeah, you can't hide that kind of information. You can't hide that kind of stuff. And they're not the only ones saying it. Lots of people are saying it. And here's the reason why, ladies and gentlemen, this comes from the expose. Very recently, just the other day, quote, breaking UK medicine regulator confirms COVID-19 is man-made and the vaccines were created using computer generated DNA. It says the following, quote, I recently came across a fantastic email exchange between Francis Leader and the UK medicine regulator, the MHRA. In this exchange, the MHRA admits that, as regards the COVID 19 vaccines, quote, number one, the DNA template used does not come directly from an isolated virus from an infected person, and two, the DNA template. Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome Coronavirus 2, GenBank 908947.3, was generated via a combination of gene synthesis and re-combatant DNA technology, Because viruses aren't real, and it's just people behind closed doors generating poison. See when people say, you know, if you were to confront somebody with with the facts, okay, let's start off just a very quick general conversation about this. If you were trying to wake somebody up as to what's going on, if you were to look at them and say, first of all, COVID nineteen does not stand for coronavirus disease, whatever else, which it doesn't. You could go down that route, you know, that that road if you wanted to, but staying away from that for just a second. If you said viruses aren't real and COVID's not real, which it isn't, and they aren't, the person would look back at you and say, well, then why are people getting sick? What caused people to get sick in the first place? Because people were saying it was like the flu and some people were saying, well, it was worse than the flu. And then other people are saying, well, they died from it. First of all, if people died from it, they most likely died, not because it wasn't man-made, and then crammed into syringes, and then people took them, either overseas or here in the United States, and then co-mingled around one another, but because they were murdered by the hospital policy and the hospital procedures that were in place. So, that, I mean, that's that's one avenue you could take. Where I would start is I would simply say, COVID doesn't exist because it was a poison. That was put into syringes that people took, much like flu shots. Could have even been in the last round of flu shots back in 2020, or even 2019, rather. And people took them. And then what do they do? They get on airplanes. Even if they didn't take the shots, they still get on airplanes and they travel and they're in close quarters. And then the shedding takes place, the electromagnetism takes place. That's how people become diseased from being around people whose immune systems are disrupted. And then someone would say, well, well, those people got sick then and, and some of them died. And then, of course, you would say, yes, they died because of the hospital policy. We're not saying that the poison that was created initially that made people sick wasn't deadly. It certainly it was or could have been. But if individuals were healthy human beings to begin with, They'd have been just fine. Wouldn't have been a problem. Then you bring up the shots. The current shots. The bioweapon shots that people are taking. You bring up that subject and you say, well, they're not working, are they? And they themselves are actually killing the people who take them. Which reminds me, because I want to mention this just very briefly before I play this audio. A 17, 18 year old Uh, high school student who was a, a cheerleader apparently, again, fell asleep, didn't wake up the next morning. Pulmonary embolism, dead, just like that. The parents are baffled. Parents are baffled. In fact, the parents have asked individuals to donate to the pulmonary embolism research association or something along those lines. Pulmonary embolisms are rare, but they strike all kinds of people. Do these parents not know what killed their daughter? That it was the shots? That that's why she's
1: dead? Because apparently they don't know. They're blaming pulmonary embolisms. That doesn't happen. That
0: doesn't happen to healthy, athletic teenagers. It can happen to overweight individuals, but this was not an overweight individual. This was a very healthy, young female. But again, the cognitive dissonance and the disconnect from reality, is, it's just, it is baffling. That's the baffling part. Okay, I want to end on this. Here's the audio. This is Suzanne Humphreys, MD, International Medicine Council on Vaccination. I'm going to let this audio play us out for the remainder of this episode. Give this a listen. It's approximately four minutes long, and I'll catch you on Wednesday, everybody. Take care.
2: I have been studying vaccines for the past three years of my life when it came up in my professional life. And my, my current opinion about vaccination is that they have never been safe. Never has there been a safe vaccine. Never will there be a safe vaccine, and it is not possible to have a safe vaccine. The actual process of vaccination defies the natural function of the immune system of living beings. It thwarts the immune system into a balance that's very unnatural and that leaves it susceptible to uh, more things than just what you may be vaccinated supposedly for putting a disease matter into a body, combined with all the chemicals and antibiotics and things that manufacturing companies may not even know about at the time that they're being injected into a muscle, there's no possible way that that could be safe. If indeed it is such a miraculous product, wouldn't we be noticing how miraculous it is? Are are they saying that we are just too stupid to notice that this is killing people and maiming people, that we're too stupid to notice that it's miraculous You know, I think that is a lot of the argument. We're just too stupid to notice how miraculous this is. So to protect everybody, we better they're going to give it to us anyway. The people that were vaccinated were among the sickest, that many children were dying after smallpox vaccinations, uh, that they were developing terrible ulcerations, beautiful, perfect babies, you know, forced into smallpox vaccines, either dying or developing terrible, terrible diseases. Those of us who actually notice the science is not backing up vaccination those of us who notice that people are being maimed and killed by vaccinations, those of us who have experienced our own vaccine reactions are categorically thought to be mad. It's money and it's power. Many of the vaccine enthusiast doctors will parrot the phrase that babies need to be vaccinated when they're young because the take rate is better for the vaccine. Parents are being told to bring their two-month, four-month, six-month-old infants in to have them injected with some 24 different disease matter injections, complete with polysorbate 80, amounts of aluminum that are absolutely unsafe. An infant's immune system develops slowly. That's normal. It's part of the design. They think nature is flawed because they think mother nature got it all wrong when designing the immune system of an infant. So why aren't these children all dying? Why, why, don't they, why are they not extremely vulnerable to disease more so than the vaccine enthusiasts actually say they are is because of breast milk. It's because of breast milk from a healthy mother who's eating a good diet. This is the design. The inventors of vaccines have chosen a belief system whereby uh, infants are all born with inadequate immune systems and that the only way they can be saved from hepatitis B, rotavirus, et cetera, the infant vaccines, that the only way they can be saved from these diseases is getting vaccines into them as quickly as possible, multiple injection. Young babies uh, have a blunted immune response compared to you or I. And that's one of the reasons why the aluminum is added to the vaccines is to stimulate that response. So what happens when um, babies are given a vaccine is that this normal non-reactivity of the immune system uh, is, is abolished. And the non-reactivity then becomes hyper-reactivity. And that's why we're seeing so much asthma, so much reactive airway disease, allergies, the peanuts, so on and so forth, latex. It's because of these injections that these young children are getting, not only that have the disease matter in them, but that have provoked the immune system in an unnatural way, shifting uh, the normal balance uh, of non-reactivity into one of hyper-reactivity.